0: The Robert, Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, y'all, it's that time of the week again. Sunday Conversations on the Robert Scat Bell Show. We dive a little bit deeper into a a long-form type interview on what makes any of us tick, what motivates us, what drives us. And uh, they're surprise conversations. I never know actually where they'll go, which is fun for me. Maybe it's fun for you as well. RobertScatBell.com slash listen. If you want to have others uh, share the experience with you or watch later on rumble or other places where we're not banned in fact yeah there are a few anyway i appreciate y'all being here com. you can sign up for the newsletter at com. it's as simple as that uh, it'll be a pop-up window just fill it in we used to have like a text service that would allow you to to log in or, or sign up that way but they're retooling that for now so just come on over to Uh upcoming events we got loads of them and I hope some of you can join me next weekend in uh, Loveland, Colorado, of all places. Uh, there's a big uh, Naturally Inspired Health Summit. Uh, so with that, uh, where are we going today? Excuse me, i got to sneeze. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Now I'm, I'm present. You know how a sneeze can bring you from wherever you were to where you are? <laughs> it just did that. Oh, my gosh. So uh, here's a question. What makes a man a man? And of course, there could be a lot of jokes about that, but it's it's an astonishing and strange world we live in uh, when many people can't define what a man is, much less what a woman is. And there's a website called Man of Presence, manofpresence.com. We have it linked up in the show notes, and it's a, a man named Kai Jordan joining us all the way from Bali. Uh, and we're going to talk about not only that, but some relationship perspectives that he and his wife have uh, from there and around the world, you can tap into them and perhaps enhance your own uh presence as a man or a woman and as a relationship between in 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 the case of uh those that uh uh, have relationships that way you might want to learn a little bit what we're what we're going to learn this morning so welcome all the way from bali i'm the robert gabbell show Sunny conversations with kai jordan thank you kai for being here
1: hey thanks for having me it's a pleasure
0: it's good to connect now i learned that we connect not only through my buddy kevin tuttle but through my other buddy laban ditchburn and his wife anna so I know yes. we're a good company, good people that are doing extraordinary work out there. Uh, and uh, I guess I got to ask the question, how did you end up in Bali and connect with your wife and uh, do the things that we're going to learn that you do?
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a whole story. So I I was going through separation from my first wife uh, back in 2017. Uh, Gabriella, my current partner, happened to be going through separation as well. And we were she was living in bali i was living in canada and we flew out to spain into the same training three weeks on relationship sexuality and it was it was uh, a container that we basically had our focus on improving relationships getting better learning and we met and we had a whirlwind of of love it was a big love bomb and, and from there, we just spent almost every moment together during that, that workshop. I had to go back to Canada, she had to go back to Bali, um, and then I later moved out to Bali fairly, fairly shortly after. I came to visit a couple months later, and then I was out, out living in Bali six months later.
0: So the, uh, I, what I hear is uh, you know in, in the love bomb scenario, it's like the honeymoon time, this great passion of connection that's so uh, intense you know, it's a fire, right? And uh, Bruce Lipton, cellular biologist, I don't know if you ever interviewed him. He's been fantastic in what he's written. He actually wrote a book about the honeymoon effect of how to maintain that feeling throughout your life cycle, throughout the relationship and the relationship, not just with a spouse or a partner, but with life itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I don't know if there's some things that you've learned about that intensity to the transition that you know, you're out of this honeymoon phase of the relationship, but now you're in Bali with her. And uh, I guess you've developed some uh, processes to help men. You have man of presence and also a relationship focus uh, webinars and things.
1: Yeah. Well, we work a lot with couples when we do work with couples together. A lot of it is around rekindling intimacy. Um, Because after about two to three years, biologically, you lose the, you lose that boost. You lose that infatuation stage so we've we've we have practices that we give to couples individuals as well if they're looking to attract a partner but to couples specifically to help them deepen their intimacy remove any obstacles that may have been created throughout the relationship or after they've met and then to consciously create polarity or a magnetism kind of a masculine feminine polarization where they can feel the attraction again um, and that was actually where we met we met in a conscious sex and relating um, workshop so that's that's the basis of our relationship it's uh it's very much been around intimacy and sexuality and exploring we we call our path the path of devotional love and we see relationship as a spiritual possibility we see it as a spiritual path and we know that great relationships aren't by chance, they're created. Hmm. So, if people are going to have great relationships that are getting past that two to three year mark. And what we call the default phase, which is essentially when two people come together, they have their conditioning. They have their childhood conditioning from individual homes, individual cultures. That comes together and either mixes or it doesn't. And oftentimes later down the road, it doesn't. So, What we have is we have the possibility of a default playing out, which is you fall into the habit of acting out your relationships the same way you watched your parents do it or the way that you learned how to attach, right? That's where attachment theory comes from. Or you learn how to consciously create and you meticulously intentionalize every aspect of your relationship so that it's a model that you create that works for you
0: the The conscious I call it co-creation, conscious co-creation. it's engaging in a relationship because it becomes uh, when you get beyond the the traditional honeymoon phase, the chemistry of it all, now you're confronted with, as you point out, patterns of behavior from before that that were kind of invisible to you because there was an infatuation phase, you know the initial phase of it overwhelms everything. and now suddenly you're learning about details of uh, behaviors and Maybe you don't even know where they come from if you're not aware that we're all programmed almost before we're seven in a lot of ways. And to kind of break free of that programming where it conflicts with our spouse or our other, you know, other half of we consider that relationship uh, bringing us together, making us whole. Although I would argue that we must have some level of wholeness in and of ourselves in order to successfully navigate a relationship where we perceive the other one completes us. Talk to me about a little bit of the misconception of uh, that concept of the soulmate where you're not fully whole unless the other half of you shows up as opposed to being whole and whole. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, we – I mean, this is more of my personal thoughts on the matter, but Mm -hmm. I've come to see after working with lots of different couples that love isn't always enough and there is no such thing as a soulmate if we really want to create a relationship that lasts that stands the test of time that can be something that can be fulfilling decade after decade or you know into the into the longer phases of relationship then we have to be there have to be a couple different factors we have to create consciously create the space in the relationship for the couple obviously if you have kids we have three kids, we have three boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're the time frame that you get to spend on the couple dramatically decreases oh, after yeah. kids.
0: Anybody yeah. with kids knows exactly what you're saying right now.
1: Yeah, and, and look, it's, it's normal when kids come that we make ourselves available to them. We just open ourselves up and they, whatever they bring to us, we respond. But after a certain point, say three, four, five, where they don't need that deep, deep, uh, hold me all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Only all the time. Exactly. Where you get a little bit more space, Mm -hmm. three, four, five. At that point, you really, and even before, but at that point, you really have an opportunity to create time and space for the relationship. And, and we specifically will create some structure where the people will create time and space or dates for first themselves and then the relationship because especially after parenting sleepless nights you know co-sleeping mm-hmm. intimacy dies it's very easy for intimacy to die so we have to find a way to one keep ourselves healthy and attractive as a as a person because obviously when you get into a relationship too that can be one of the misconceptions is my partner should love me no matter what well, if I become a slob and if I stop taking care of myself, I'm not expecting my partner to be attracted to me because I understand it's my responsibility to, to keep myself healthy, to keep myself in shape, to keep myself in in a state where I'm actually dating my partner instead of feeling like the marriage is a free pass to let myself go.
0: Yeah, yeah I was thinking about if you become slovenly, if you will. uh there's also a lack of self-love in that. There's a, a self-destruction in that to expect your partner to continue to have the same perspective. I, I mean, there might be a deep love, but a deep concern as well in that case. Um, I, I, come, I come back to this thought about being whole and being whole and then coming together, you know, uh, more than the sum of the parts. And yet, if you lack love, really this is where in relationships, the ability of the partner to see that which you lack and and love, love it back to health, <laughs> you know? There's times where that challenge is there where oftentimes one partner will go, oh, um, yeah, I don't like that part. You don't like that part of you. I'm just gonna let you go with that and move on. And it's like an incredible, I don't know if the word is sacrifice, but an ability to see something in your partner that they don't even see from time to time. Maybe it's even before you got together and that. That was the basis for a relationship. Ultimately, you realize that uh, there was a wound there that the partner had to love to heal, right? Love and, and it's a lot of work because, again, that the one that's bringing that wound may not even realize it's there or acknowledge and recognize how to overcome it, if you will. And there's love and compassion and other things. Now, I, I'm saying this, and you, I know your wheels are turning me because you've got a lot of experience in this regard. Um, there are times where we would look at someone in that situation and go, oh, I, I, want, I see what's wrong and I want to fix you. And and that, of course, is not where I'm going here because there's something about a mutual desire to heal through love as opposed to, you know, one person seeing another with a wound and that person is not even interested in addressing it. Does, am I making any sense here about relationship issues like this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so common. We call this intimacy blocks. We, we, mm-hmm. we say that inside of a person, there can sometimes be a wall that prevents them from being hurt but also from being loved and it's our job to start to chip away at that wall at that closure that we've created from previous relationships from childhood wounds from trauma Mm. because ultimately we want to be able to stand vulnerable fully naked proverbially of course but also you know naked in front of our partner to be seen transparently authentically as we are but in order to do so we can't be presenting a mask we can't be holding on to something some closure from the past so a lot of the work that we do when we see a couple and they come and they're at a at a place where maybe you know they're considering separation or they're really going through a difficult time oftentimes there'll be we'll have to work with them individually so we start working with them i'll work with the man possibly or i'll start with the woman or Gabriella will start with the man or the woman and we'll we'll work with them individually on what's in the way for them. And as we start to chip away at what's in the way and they start to also do the deeper healing work, the trauma release work, which is a component of the work that I do and and something that I I have a process that I've developed to really help people mentally, emotionally, and physiologically de-armor whatever's in the way of Their vulnerable heart when they get down to that point Mm -hmm. they can integrate whatever it is that they've experienced that's prevented them from staying open so a traumatic experience they can integrate that and they can bring something new to their partner and many times we see miraculous things happen where one of the people has something an intimacy block we'll work with that we'll help resolve that and all of a sudden there's this completely new dynamic that unfolds and the reports are often, it's like, I'm, you know, it's like I'm meeting my partner for the first time again. And we see this many, many, many times. We've even seen it in our relationship many times. But we see this if you're in a long-term relationship, if you're really doing the work continuously. It's as if it's a new person in front of you. Every time you come up against a, a, a point of, of tension, you come up against a challenge, you somehow get through it. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different dynamic.
0: Now, do you see that? Because this is a deep level, I would say, spiritual commitment to one another. And very often, you know, in the honeymoon phase of a relationship, you have, you know, the, the physical attraction and all the chemistry that's going on. And then suddenly you find out about the stuff as it fades, that part of it. And, you go, oh, I really don't like this. And there isn't a commitment to move forward. Right. Versus those that say, you know what, the, this love that I feel is greater than all the things that I don't like you know, that I'm seeing and witnessing for the first time. And that you commit to work through and beyond those things and that's where anybody that's been married for a long time i mean we're approaching lord 94 almost 30 years i think that's right i'm right on that i get in trouble i won't (laughs) but the the uh willingness to realize that as people who have been married for decades say it it's not just something that happens there's an engagement we've talked about there's an effort that needs to be made there are great difficulties where you decide to move push through or overcome them as opposed to you know what this is just too hard i give up and there's a lot of folks and i'm not trying to make judgments here but we know in in our lifetime the divorce rate if you will for those who get married and is 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 sky high uh, and and the question is you know did they not realize going in that there would be such a level of commitment or do you see that some relationships just work their way through and whatever you were coming together for is over your, your mission together just dissipates and it's time to move on. How would you describe the various things where sometimes it doesn't work out?
1: Yeah. What I, what I, what, what I often notice from the man's perspective from the masculine side Mm -hmm. is there's often something inside of him that he's not seeing. So I'll speak from when it's related to the masculine side. So typically, if I'm working with a man, there is what we call just a level of depth, his ability to hold space for his partner's emotions, his own awareness of self, how aware he is of certain shadows that might be playing out in the relationship that his partner's very aware of, but he may not be aware of. And when this typically happens, the man has two options. He has the option to lean in, commit, show up, and face what's going on. And often that's a difficult situation because most men don't know how to deal with shame. They really don't, as an emotion, emote shame or want to face shame, want to mm-hmm. see things they're ashamed of. So that's a, that's a I'd say on, on a social level, an obstacle for most men is to just go into their shame and go, wow,
0: how does that impact a man that doesn't, and, and I can acknowledge that, that that's a difficult thing for the man, the masculine side, to acknowledge that things that have happened to you. Like, I have shame about that, and many have that. But how does it impact behavior when they're unwilling or unable to face that in terms of how does it manifest in their behavior? How does it play out, whether it be in a relationship or just in general, how they, uh, you know, face the world?
1: Yeah. Well, two ways they start to shut down, they start to be insecure. They start to almost crumble on themselves, and then their partner, usually the feminine counterpart, will start to notice they're they're really shrinking, shriveling into themselves, and they'll start to point it out. Hey, you're not showing up. I miss you. I'm not seeing. You know, you're not giving me everything that I need. And it'll start like this, and then they'll start to feel worse and worse and worse. So there's a spiral. The other one is they'll take space, and this is more typical. Hey, I need my space. My partner is getting on my nerves she's criticizing me a lot she's attacking me she's you know saying i'm not doing enough and and those again are signs that there's another level of depth Mm -hmm. to be expanded upon because if you look at kind of masculine feminine dynamic and this is not gender related but it's masculine feminine energies both are present in every human being yes But in a, in a typical relationship, you want some polarity because if you depolarize, there's no magnetism, right? If you have a battery, you have a positive negative side, right. if they become neutralized, there's no charge. That's typically what happens. People lose the charge. So we want to create a conscious polarity. We want someone to hold the masculine and we want someone to hold the feminine and to be able to interact in a polarized relationship in terms of the masculine his responsibility is to be expanding the potential for awareness or consciousness he his his job his work on himself is to be committed to his own evolution to the point that he's expanding himself to such a degree that his partner can expand herself into his awareness Mm -hmm. so for example let's say he's doing a daily practice which is a masculine thing meditation or some sort of yogic practice and he's experiencing new depths of himself he experiences new awareness of his purpose he's clear on who he is he gets a deeper connection to God whatever form that takes but he gets a deeper experience of the source of who he is now he can bring that to his partner and even through what we call conscious lovemaking he can start to transmit energetically those awarenesses that he has attained in his practice to his partner, she can be receptive to him to such a degree that she starts to awaken to some of these insights that he's had. And they can start to explore a higher level of awareness or higher level of consciousness together. Mm. And that's typically when, when the man stops doing that, when he's unwilling to, the woman will start to feel bored, unsatisfied, unfulfilled in the relationship. And she's asking him to show up. Typically that's, hey, I want you to show up or I want you to, I, I don't I don't feel connected to you. I, I'm not getting what I need. What it is is a call for depth. Mm-hmm. It's a call for greater awareness. It's a call for more presence to be brought to the relationship, to the partner. And again, if he's withdrawing, if he's hiding because of shame, he's not even present to the person who's in front of him, he's not even present to himself.
0: What is it uh, about the role of the feminine or the female partner in this case, to inspire the man to have a deep spirituality, you know, about to find the mission and purpose? Because, you know, you talked about it from the perspective of the male or the man, uh, to, to find that, to practice, to engage, but isn't there a role for the feminine to inspire the depth of that exploration uh, and And you know how can that be brought out as opposed to looking at it as a competition between men and women or male and female, how one inspires the other
1: yeah yeah the the feminine essentially what a man really wants from his partner is for an unwavering belief in his potential in who he can become, in who he is becoming, and a love that breeds a sense of reverence devotion admiration respect you know if these if, if 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 a woman or the feminine is really creating or evoking devotion reverence admiration for her partner he is going to be drawn out his his essence his mm-hmm. spirit his greatest contribution we drawn out of him so she is like a muse. She she brings beauty into his life as well. This is one thing my wife really brings into my life. She has a great, a great aesthetic. She's from Italy. I'm from Canada. I don't have that aesthetic. So she's <laughs> always making things more beautiful in the home. And and that's inspiring. You know, it's it's great to be surrounded by beauty and also her capacity for devotion, love, her capacity for deep reverence, you know, there's, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to be looked at with those eyes of devotion. It makes you want to show up better. It makes you want to do more.
0: Hmm. I, you know, I'm fascinated a little bit by the imagery and symbolism, you know, within relationships within the male, female, going back to antiquity, you know, how it's presented and represented yet we are seeing such strangeness. And I'll bring up your home country of Canada right now. You have a, a leader in the body politic that is a very feminized male an effeminate male, in fact, in Trudeau uh, that argues that you know, any masculinity is toxic, for instance, uh, that if you're a man, you are a danger to everybody, including women. And I think, wow, how far have we strayed from that polarity, which is positive in a sense to to bring attraction and to just to lean into our strengths and recognized where we can be strengthened in our weaknesses via these relationships that are um, polar, in a sense polar opposites. And I do acknowledge, as you've said, that we each have ma- masculine and feminine within us, male or female. that's just you know part of the polar, polarization of the life that we have been given in the physical body too on the earth plane. Uh, but the idea, and you, you said it, like depolarizing a relationship suddenly the, the spark is gone, the magnetism is gone. Versus recognizing the beauty of the design, and because I said leaning into it. So, what can you tell me about uh, whether it be your Canadian experience, having left it now and looking back at the culture of how it's diminished the male and the masculine uh, because it argues that it should be ashamed, for instance. And in that case, what are we what are we what are we bringing up for for children that have no earthly idea of their role as male or female in this in this experience? Mm
1: yeah i mean we see it in society today there's there's kind of a war on masculinity and it's i think that that masculinity what we have seen up until now is not is not the ideal but it's also not the enemy you know masculinity it's it's the pure creative energy it's the desire to improve it's future oriented. It's trying to create and provide and protect. So the only thing that happens sometimes is it becomes personalized, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes about my needs. It becomes about what I want. And then there, there's a fight, right? When it's individualized, when masculine energy is individualized and self-centered, it can become destructive. When it's expanded and it's inclusive, It becomes constructive it's the same force right so if we look at again some some i guess some of the things that are going on uh, in the world where there's this war masculinity what i know it to be in terms of how i see it in the man of presence work Mm -hmm. is every man has the power to create who he wants to be that's what masculinity is it's the the power of conscious creation intentional creation right and that capacity to be able to consciously say I choose to be this independent of what society says a man is right I choose to be this quality I choose to be that quality that's really the kind of masculinity that I I share with the men is your is to consciously create who you are and from there create a kingdom or essentially a a world Mm -hmm. that you're contributing to around you that you protect and you serve and if we are doing that from a place of service from a place of i have a distinction that i share which is i create win-win opportunities and solutions for everyone around me including myself so if we're not self-oriented in our creation Mm -hmm. then essentially what we're doing is we're building a better world and that's what's going to be needed right there are a lot of structures falling we see political structures or you know add ends with one another we see i see it schooling systems not making sense to many people a lot of people moving to homeschooling but i've known that because bali is you have to private school anyway wherever you go if you if you're a world traveling family you're you're outside of the realm of public school you don't think in that because it's not an option. So you have to explore what are the other options? What are the best ways to approach healthcare? You know, my kid's schooling. What are the the laws in another country? Am I even protected? Do I even have rights? So everything gets put into question when you live somewhere else than where you're born mm-hmm. and you don't have your citizenship to protect you. You start to think about the structures that are in place. It's It's amazing just how, let's say, little structure people have here in Bali, right? The healthcare yeah, if you, if
0: You've grown up in the West, uh, and, and we have this very powerful embedded structure that you're born into that you just take for granted. Although, you know, the distinction, you know, I've often pointed out with Canada, their Charter of Rights doesn't uh, acknowledge your rights pre-exist government. So it's like an act of parliament that gave you rights so they can take them away. Whereas in the United States, based on the Declaration of Independence, acknowledgement of rights that come in with you preceding government and, and above and beyond it now we're all struggling i believe about those concepts as we become more dependent upon these outer institutions or structures and it's fascinating you have left canada your wife has left italy you're in bali where there aren't these structures available to you that just automatically the kids grow up they're in school you know you're actually having to really consciously co-create how do we raise them, how do we educate them, what choices do we make there? And, and I think there's good in that too. But yes, the risk you also uh, say in this, uh, on this planet is that you're in an area where there isn't the structure that acknowledges something that is so foundational and fundamental and unique about what I have experienced in the United States, even though we haven't lived up to those high ideals. That it's uh, you know conscious co-creation in freedom Is much superior to trying to nibble around co-creation while you're imprisoned in some sort of political structure otherwise and i don't know it's a great journey that i'm on and i I know you're on there as well by the way if you're just tuning in kai jordan's joining us for the first time for our sunday conversation here on the robert scott bell show all the way from bali Uh, and i'm just i'm digging the conversation this is an important part of uh, things that aren't discussed often and you can plug in to a couple of uh uh, websites we have linked up in the show notes including devotional which talks about the relationship and enhancing it and and there are uh, things you can do and practice that uh, you can tap into as well as man of speaking to the men out there and and i still want to address some of these things uh... if you'll address the issue of what's called toxic masculinity uh... and how that's manipulated men into probably being feminized not appropriately in a sense i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having feminine traits if you will because there's intuition there's kindness there's nourishing uh that has to happen whether you're a man or a woman uh but to to breed it out due to the social consciousness it's like how dare you be a man because that's offensive to and fill in the blank automatically as i said uh, you know i I referenced the feminized man um symbolism i see in 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 trudeau in canada not training him to pick on him but He's a, he's a example that a lot of people know have witnessed and
1: have seen yeah I think I'll approach it from this level when I when I work with people and I do deep inner child healing mm-hmm. what many people sit they, they they report after we go super deep into the nervous system, super deep into vulnerability, and they have an experience of release from something that was really, really painful when they were young. What they say within 20, 30, 40 minutes or a day, they say, I feel like I just aged 20 years. Their experience of themselves in their nervous system, in their body, they feel a maturing almost instantaneously. And what happens, which people don't really understand, this happens to people when we go through childhood and we do have deeply traumatic experiences that are unresolved, meaning trauma in my, in my awareness and the way that I define it is an unresolved experience that is perceived as life threatening. So it's just an unresolved experience. It's a piece of life that got stuck and didn't get digested fully. Mm -hmm. So sitting there in the part of the stomach, until we can digest it. And then if we digest it fully, it becomes fuel, Mm. right? There's many studies to look at the distinction between post-traumatic stress disorder and post-traumatic growth. This is one thing that I, I wanna share about trauma. Essentially, people are so focused on the stress disorder side of things, they don't see, when you go to the gym, you're creating trauma in the muscles on purpose, right? Because in the system, when you put it through trauma when you put it through duress when you put it through an extreme that it hasn't handled yet it's mm. forced to grow it strengthens so I, you it strengthens yeah you. Yeah. yeah I, I, I
0: experienced that guy with my uh, intense workouts uh that that i guess when you say the essence of of a man where you're like you know you can make fun of that but there is that sense of a presence that's strength, and i believe the female the woman wants that by and large because it also feels like a form of protection for them, you know, in other words, in the polarity where it fits together in a healthy manner. And I don't mean women should just uh, abandon the ability to be strong themselves. I don't think you would say that either in a relationship uh, because there is, a, I guess, a downside to extreme polarization where you cannot stand on your own. And I don't think that a relationship is designed to mean I cannot function in any way, shape or form without you, right? We lose that independence in some cases and we become very dependent and then very vulnerable, not in a, I I think, a healthy way, right? Where you take the relationship to that extreme level and maybe you can speak to that as well as how do you find that fine line between those two polar extremes?
1: Well, yeah, the interesting thing is we're, we're all moving through a spectrum of health, regulation awareness, you know, there's no human being that shows up the same, the same every day. You know, we all go through different times or different moments of challenge and duress. So, you know, we, we see it basically relationships as, as a spectrum where people are are showing up better one day and the other person is down and we swap roles a week later. Right? So it's, it's what, what we want to do is we want to create a container that the couple is stronger together right that we have support when we need support and we have love and and trust and we have this uh this deep care for one another even when we don't need it right because in that loving environment if you if you look if you look at children who grow up in in loving supportive environments they thrive right you look at at sometimes children who grew up in uh, difficult abusive relationships you know, the statistics out there for, for single mother homes, just for example, right, when there's a lack of a, of a masculine father figure in the picture, mm-hmm. the chances of them ending up in prison double, right? And, and like, their chances of uh, becoming addicted to drugs rises, I think, twofold. So there's, there's this effect, actually, when we don't have the stability of a healthy environment and a healthy role model, especially a masculine role model, it affects the child whether they're a girl or a guy, mm-hmm. it affects the child. So we need to have these healthy balances and, and role models in our environment. And I would say that, again, it, it, what, I, what I have personally noticed in my relationship, the better that I am, the deeper that I go, the more I give to the relationship and the better it becomes. Mm-hmm. And I think every person If if we really want if we really want to create a possibility to stay together, we have to be working on ourselves constantly. Like we can't stop growing. Because if we stop growing, we expect our partner to settle. You know, we settle and we expect our partner to settle. And that doesn't happen.
0: Kai, talk to me about these two websites we have linked up in the show notes today. And um manofpresence.com and devotionallove.com uh and how people can tap in either just by visiting the website reading about it or is there uh, you know a, a newsletter they sign up for or is there an engagement in terms of a uh, a coaching scenario where people that are in, you know, hearing this and going, you know what, I could use a little bit of insight beyond what you guys are talking about, need help in my relationship. Or maybe you're not in a relationship and you need help to get yourself right so that you can engage or enter into what you perceive to be what you desire a healthy relationship or healthier relationship with yourself and uh, with a partner. Talk to me about the options that folks who are listening to this have uh, to connect with you and your life.
1: Yeah, so devotional love is really the relationship work that my wife and I do together. We work with couples and individuals. We work uh, one-to-one in, in kind of four- to six-month containers where we really help people turn around their relationship or help people work on themselves to the point where they can attract a partner. We also have some uh, smaller work- workshops and webinars that we do online. Um, if you go to the website, there's a newsletter. We have also a blog where we have articles posted there, some insights about relationships that have some tips and some tools that you can use. And then the man of presence work is really my men's work, where anyway, when we work with a couple, I'll work with the man around men's work. Gabriella will work with the woman around women's work. And that's going to help create that polarity again. It's going to help individually work on their stuff that's coming up. I mean the the reality is we don't our partner can't hold space for everything that comes up we can't expect them to so the problem that most couples face is they get into a point where stuff's coming up individually and they share it with their partner and their partner doesn't have space or they don't have the capacity to support them they don't have the skill so when we create a container and we can work with them individually we can offload a lot of that individual stuff that's coming up in between the relationship And we can help them resolve it individually and then come back and create something new in the men's work it's really a process there's an there's a uh, a 12-week program uh, that i offer called mastering presence and it's really a process uh, which is all pre-recorded Uh, there's also the possibility of doing some one-to-one work uh, if people want that but that 12 weeks is really 12 modules designed to help people create consciously a new way of being as a man mm-hmm. right and we work on things like personal responsibility and we work on sexuality and we work on uh, presence and we work on collaboration you know there are 14 distinctions that i discovered that really helped me in terms of redefining and redesigning my masculinity and helped me break some of the conditioning around being a man right this competition complex or mm-hmm. uh, Essentially, being seeing seeing ourselves um, as aggressive, or even even being sexual, seeing that as a bad thing. You know, there are there are ways to decondition uh, the imprinting from pornography and from things that we've taken in that just give us the wrong impression about what sexuality is. There are processes for that, and and when men do that, they find their ability to enjoy their sexuality and also to be present in their sexuality with a partner it gets it gets improved
0: so there's a lot of factors and and a lot of that comes to the uniqueness of everybody's upbringing what they've been programmed to believe perceive and even uh, unconsciously or subconsciously uh, attract to them in terms of relationship patterns i think about those that are hearing this and going you know what i've had this religion this and it all seems to end up in the same place you know and I think these patterns that have, uh, uh, you know, kind of immersed in somebody's life, you, you find the common denominator is you. And it's not not a good place. You're thinking, wait a second, I, I always blame that other person. It's like, But I'm in that and it seems to go the same route, same time, same place every time, uh, I guess in this 12-week course? Is that something that could be addressed for people that really are wanting to take responsibility for their role in co-creating patterns that they say, I don't like that and I don't wanna do that again?
1: Yeah, yeah, it it is specifically designed for men or the masculine, but in in the couples work or the work in 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 the devotion love container, we specifically go through a phase where we help them decondition. We helped unravel the, the patterns that they're coming into the relationship with that are essentially butting heads. You know, it's most relationships that get past that two, three-year infatuation stage, the honeymoon, that the default patterns start to become prominent and front and center. And most relationships don't get past the default phase, which is just, I'm just doing the best I can with what I have been programmed, right? What I've been modeled, our education, our relationship education (laughs) that we get, we don't get it in school. We don't get it. Most people don't ever get it in their lives. So there's, I've said in the beginning, I said love isn't enough and there's no such thing as a soulmate. And why I say that is because relationship is a skill that can be learned. And it's a skill that has to be learned there are certain tools and practices and ways you can communicate and ways you can express your needs and your feelings and your boundaries and ways that you can create agreements with your partner that work for relationships and the truth is we just don't get taught these in school so that's the other reason for such a high divorce rate is that Mm. we're expecting people to be good at this thing called relationship but there's been no (laughs) education there's zero training yeah. like that would be like expecting a person to be like, how many people would be great CEOs just because they have a knack for it mm-hmm. and It's a small percentage. And that's kind of what we see in relationship, the relationships that thrive and do well, these people have a knack for it. They have a natural interest. They have probably put in a lot of time and energy. They've researched it or it's come natural, but the vast majority of people are not in that category of relationships come easy relationships yeah. are natural. So those people, have to understand, this is a skill I can learn. Love is not gonna be enough. I can't expect someone to just love me through all of the shortcomings and faults. I have to improve. I have to actually get better at expressing myself and communicating and relating mm-hmm. if I want to have that relationship that I, I yearn for, that I dream for.
0: Three things you said there, and, and some of it was things we've already covered, but it's so important, I think, you know that repetitive embedding of the skills or the the, the desire, need and, and, and uh, uh, acknowledgement that you can learn this is one, right? That relationship is, you know, building and, and maintenance, etc. is a skill to learn, that we can learn. But prior to that, you had said, love isn't enough and there's no such thing as a soulmate. Now, that could be very disconcerting for people to hear that. And I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I think love isn't enough, why do I say that? Because just loving someone, you could just be there and just love somebody, but what does that mean in terms of that? you know meeting the needs of each other, you know, or desires of each other, it's like, well, I love you. Well, Saying it, even if you mean it, it there's a, an action or behaviors associated with that, that fulfill that divine relationship, right? As opposed to just, oh, it's just something I, I, I found, now it's there because this is my soulmate, we found each other, and now there's nothing to do other than just enjoy each other's company. And you'll see that that doesn't last beyond the honeymoon phase, so to speak. Now, in the discussions we've had, it's what I think as you tap into the things you're talking about, the skills that you can learn, or perhaps you and your wife can teach others if they want to tap into what you're doing, is how to prolong or maintain a honeymoon type of effect. And this is where I come back to Dr. Bruce Lipton. He wrote a book on it, uh, The Honeymoon Effect. How do you make all life that way? And it isn't because it just happens to you and falls in your lap. It's something you consciously co-create, you engage in. And uh, is there a lot of resistance when you're going through these programs with people? Have uh, you found that there's a common area where, oh my gosh, I gotta, we got to hit that again, the breakthrough process to open up to that? Not only understanding it intellectually, but with all of your being, these concepts.
1: I mean, there's, there's the programming, there's the way that we think. I, 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 people don't realize how much things like Disney movies and love stories have programmed their way to think about relationships. People don't understand how much pornography has influenced the way they think about sexuality. When, when you have a model of how relationships should be from a young age that I should have a prince come and take me and sweep me away and take me to a castle when that's the predominant model the narrative that's been taught and we look at reality we fall short we fall short a lot so we have to dismantle the concepts there's a lot of expectations we have in a relationship that aren't realistic you know one that i had which i had of my parents was that they should be available to me all the time whenever i need That's a, that's a very good child expectation to have of their parents. It's not great to carry into a relationship, it's codependent. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I want to distinguish here are the difference between a child's needs and adult needs, a child, their needs, the way they're oriented from zero to seven, it's self-centered. They need their needs to be anticipated. They don't even know their needs half the time. They don't know they need to eat. They don't know they need to sleep. Right? They need their needs anticipated. They need their needs to be externally uh, fulfilled. Now, an adult, what they need to be able to do is to identify their own needs. And they need to be able to request or communicate communicate a request so that someone else can support them or to be able to self-source their needs. Now, it's also 100% their responsibility. As a child, it's not their responsibility. The problem in most couples is there are still unconscious child needs. Mm. A lot of people have gone through childhood without having their needs fulfilled, and they're actively playing that out, expecting their partner. Expectations is a big problem. Expecting their partner to fulfill this need that was unmet as a child Mm. without taking responsibility for it, without knowing how to communicate it, without knowing how to request it. So, you know, this is one of the problems that we see is that we can sometimes get caught in that child mentality. As I mentioned, when people have that deep healing in the nervous system, it feels like they mature 10, 15, 20 years. Their emotional maturity actually improves dramatically. Their feeling of who they are in their body changes because that unresolved trauma is released and integrated. Whereas before, it would have kept them stuck almost in a biological age, even though they can grow older, you may be 30 years old, but yeah. if, if I say this, everyone will relate. Sometimes you feel like you're three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, re- we talk relate,
0: about, right? <laughs> well, like many of us men don't get beyond our teen years, you know? Yeah. We try to be jovial and joke about that aspect of, of uh, the playful side, I would like to say in a positive way about being a, a man, having that, that boy energy too. It's not all negative, and I don't think you're saying that either. But what yeah. do you say to folks that, you know, they hear this, Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the 10th time, but they feel like overwhelmed and it's just a daunting task to achieve what you guys are describing, what you're working people through in these workshops that you do. Uh, how, how do you let people know that they could do this? They can achieve this. They can overcome these patterns of behavior. Uh, is there something that uh, you know, kind of triggers that, oh, I can, I can do this. It's not too overwhelming to do.
1: Yeah, we're, we, we're very successful in, in when we help people because we have the right tools. Like there are the right tools and it's anyone can do it if there's a commitment and a willingness and you use the right tools. It's when you're uncommitted or you're unwilling, that becomes very difficult, right? Like we get this question a lot. What happens if only one person wants to do the work on the right. relationship? Yeah, Only one person's committed. Well... That's really difficult, unless that person is really the problem, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like really, which is often not the case. It's a mm-hmm. both, it's a both problem to solve. But it, if if only one person is committed, and you're at a point where there, there's a transition. So, whenever you're at that breaking point where you're considering this is this is kind of make or break. It's not going to make it what that signals is that there needs to be a change in the structure of the relationship. Let's be honest, if you fell in love when you were 17 and you're you're 30 right now, do you think the same agreements that worked when you were 17 are gonna work now? Hmm. Absolutely not. That's what I mean by consciously creating the relationship because we can't just expect. Like I say, love is not enough. (laughs) We evolve, we grow, we have different needs as we grow we have to consciously be able to change the structure of the relationship right how does it work what is our how do we create the intimacy that want that we want what kind of intimacies do we want to create right there's different kinds of intimacy that you want to create emotional mental physical spiritual so sexual there are different things that we need as we grow up and our our wants our desires our interests change Mm -hmm. does the content does the container of that relationship support the growth and evolution of who you are now or is it an obstruction Mm. and when it's the obstruction people start to feel like the relationship is too tight well that's the agreement that was the unconscious agreement you made that has to be deconstructed and reconstructed consciously it's not necessarily time to stop it's not time to quit if you quit now you're going to see this same pattern play out you're going to hit the same wall with the next partner so it's an opportunity and and i use this analogy sometimes i say it's the sand in the clam that creates the pearl it's the tension it's the friction and when we have a moment of friction that is the opportunity for a pearl right we can create something beautiful out of that it's not the time to give up it's the time to lean in
0: and uh we this discussion of relationships is is fascinating to many i i believe we're we're all trying to figure our way through and around all of that and also be hopefully inspirations for our children so that they have the capacity to enter engage in relationships in a perhaps less destructive self-destructive ways that we might have experienced in our life you know and try to do better each generation if it's possible i believe it is but it takes a conscious again not just co-creation in, in relationships but with our children, consciously raising them, be able to communicate these things. Uh, I had my friend Doc Harmony on a few weeks back and we did a discussion of something called the Queen's Code, you know, a real message to women in terms of how uh, the relationships are almost 100% de- dependent upon them. <laughs> and it's like, and I teased mm-hmm. that concept and even my wife was like, what do you mean? We're 100% responsible for the relationship. and, and you have to listen to the conversation to get beyond the the statement that is intriguing to understand what is meant by that. In other words, the woman has to engage 100% in that. What does that mean? How does that manifest? So go back, y'all, if you have missed that discussion of the Queen's Code with uh, uh, Doc Harmony from a few weeks back, I think it's a perfect companion piece to our discussion today, which centered a little bit more on the masculine side because you as a man, me as a man talking about that. But I don't think in any way this is toxic. In fact, it's the opposite of that is detoxifying the, the aberrations of thought form about masculine and feminine that others have uh, kind of programmed into us to destroy our ability to have healthy relationships. And in that case, then the state comes in and takes over of our children, all of these things. And then uh, we end up in a really sorry state. And in some cases, we can see examples of that around the world and in various cultures. What you're doing out of Bali is quite extraordinary and I guess people can tap in online from all over the world to get help.
1: Yeah, yeah, 95% of who we work with are online. So uh, we have clients all over the world, United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, et cetera. So um, yeah, there's no, luckily now with technology, there's no time and distance that uh, can't be bridged. And uh, yeah. definitely it's definitely needed I think relationships are uh, we have one client and she says it's the final frontier you know I've Mm -hmm. I've been in, in the world of success I've accomplished everything I wanted to but my relationships I didn't figure that out and I think that a lot of people experience that especially men you know because we're so driven to base who our value on what we do and accomplish rather than who we are yeah and that's the other reason why man of presence is is really the essence of the men's work that I do because it's about coming back to who you're being, not what you're doing. Mm. What you're doing in the world is not is not what creates your value. And this is something men have to understand because we can get so caught up into oh I have to do this, I have to please this person, I have to do that. Mm. It's not that. It's who you're being. Yeah. It's 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 the impact you leave in the room when you don't say a word. Right. Well, dude, Kai, we're going to have to leave it
0: there. Uh, Great challenge to the men out there. And I know you're up for those challenges, aren't you? Uh, Check it out. Uh, Kai, Jordan, we've got links again to Man of Presence as well as uh, Devotional Love. And you guys check it out in the show notes here at robertscabell.com. And I thank you, Kai. Great connection. Uh, And uh, also you can check him out. He was interviewed by our good friend Laban Ditchburn on uh, his podcast as well. And we'll continue these discussions on Sundays. Please share the show. That's all I ask. It's not too much to ask. Others uh, could benefit by this, and I thank you, Kai, for being with me, and I remind each and every one of you the God's honest truth. Even in relationships, the power to heal is yours.